Hello, hello! A warm welcome to Once More With Feelings. My name is Annika, I'm a certified feminine embodiment coach and so glad that you are tuning in today. In this podcast, we talk feeling all the feels and dig deep in what it means to feel fully alive and embodied. Grab a cup of tea, get comfortable, or if you are more like me, get your shoes on and ready for a walk, because here we go. Hello and a warm welcome to another episode of the Once More With Feelings podcast. This is another interview episode and I absolutely love bringing you these conversations with women who are leading and living an embodied life and their unique experiences with showing up in the world embodied and as truly themselves as they can be. Today's episode guest is Tertia Riegler. She's a fellow feminine embodiment coach and an advocate for leading and living from feminine wisdom and embracing our inner wild woman. This conversation was so rich and beautiful and filled with little gems and reminders of things that I personally needed to hear. Tertia is incredibly skilled at explaining the concept that she's working with and I really find this is a super informative episode that I believe you will enjoy tremendously and I guess without further ado, here is Tertia herself. So hello everyone, hi Annika, I'm so happy and excited to be here, it's always wonderful for me to speak to other women that move in the same realm as me and that has the same kind of longing for a more embodied life. And so my name is Tersha. I am a feminine embodiment coach. I studied at the School of Feminine Embodiment with Jenna Ward. And if I had to describe my place in the world, I would say that I'm an advocate for living and leading from our feminine wisdom. I think for so many of us, this can be the game changer. This can be the thing that can support us in to living in a way that's really aligned with ourselves and with our own truths. And so this is what I support women with in, in my coaching practice and in my, in my online classes is I really show them the way I'm the guide for them to kind of discover that untamed, wild, and natural place within themselves that we all carry, but that has been tamed and domesticated, for lack of a better word, by the world that we live in. And to come back to their bodies, to their true selves in that way, so that they can feel more sensually alive, so that they can live more magnetically, that it's not only a life from hustle, but really a life from receiving and co-creating and drawing in that's what they desire. And this allows them to be fully self-expressed, to be like the fullest, most truest version of themselves and to show up in that way in, in their relationships and in their conversations with their friends and in their careers and in the way that they parent and just in all facets of their lives. That sounds like the most 
luscious and richest way of living your life. So beautiful. <laughs> so I'm curious then, what does sort of leading and living from feminine wisdom look like in your life? It looks like different things on different days. <laughs> because that's the feminine, isn't it? We can't package her in, in a little box. But I think essentially what it means is to live in a way where I'm connected with my inner wild woman, which is that true natural expression of myself that I spoke of earlier that is standing outside of conditioning, that's standing outside of who we think we are supposed to be and I'm putting that in air quotes and instead being who we truly are being connected to the whole of us so that's the one way of living in our feminine wisdom is being in tune with our truth and our wildness another way is to live in a cyclical form which means that instead of following kind of the linear timelines that we have in the world today, you know, Monday through Sunday, 24 seven, 365. Instead of doing that, we turn to, to the cycles of the year and we turn to the seasons within the year. We tune into mother nature to kind of guide us and show us what we do or what we can do, what inspiration we can take from a particular place that we're in. So that's the external cycles. And then also honoring our inner seasons because we can be in a certain season in a particular area in our life, regardless of what's happening in the outside world. And so when we are living from our feminine wisdom, we are tuned into what's going on inside. And we don't look at what the outside world tells us we need to do or how we should feel, but instead we, we go within and that becomes our Northern star. That becomes our guide. And from this place, the kind of, decisions that we make and the way that we show up is so much more empowering and it's so so much richer than than just being told how it should be yes so much and I was actually before we came on I was recording uh another podcast uh, not recording editing another podcast episode where I was talking exactly about that about adjusting to the seasons because I've very much felt this I've literally I've been hit with oh my god it's autumn I need to slow down I can't go as fast as I did in the summer and it's definitely been taking time to adjust so the cyclical living and seeing what is happening in nature but also internally is is so important in finding your own rhythm your own way of doing things absolutely and if I just even take at you know what's happening right now where we are in the, in the northern hemisphere with it being autumn it's time to slow down if we look at what the trees are doing they're all losing their leaves right so they're letting go of things and this is a beautiful feminine practice that we can bring into our lives to every time at this point in the year to start to see what is it can that we can release what is it that we can let go of what are the things that don't serve us anymore and so by bringing in practices like this that align with the seasons, it really taps into that wisdom and it taps into our inner knowing. So it is, it's powerful and it is a different way of being, right? It's, it's not mainstream. <laughs> 
No, it so is not. But we should make it mainstream. That's like... <laughs> oh, we should. I mean, it's very clear, I think, with if we look at the world, that the constant going at one speed and going at an ever faster speed is just not sustainable. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's exhausting. And it. I think part of what it does apart from it not being sustainable, it also lets us turn on ourselves. And that's where the problem lies. Because when you turn on yourself, when you hold that judgment um, against yourself for not performing or for not showing up in a certain way or for not measuring up to whatever the Joneses are doing, it's very insidious and it... It robs us of our sense of enoughness and our worthiness, which is inherent. We shouldn't we shouldn't attach that to to something else. So it has far-reaching effects if we buy into this kind of linear linear way of of thinking and living and being in the world. Yes, very much so. And within that, as you said, it's it's not mainstream and you were talking about as one of the things that your way of connecting to the wisdom of the feminine wisdom is connecting to that wildness within you, which wildness is also, we're supposed to be rational beings. It's also not mainstream to really go for that. So I'm just really curious if you could speak a bit more about that wildness, what it looks like and what it means in, in your life. Yeah, I think the, the wildness has, has gotten a bad rap <laughs> because we hear wildness and we think this crazy thing with, with wild hair and extreme emotional reactions and uh, just being all over the place and kind of dangerous and and it's not like that at all uh, you know if I look at what does it truly mean to be wild and to be untamed again we can look to nature we can look to animals um, in the wild and they are who they are can you say that about animals that they are who they are and they they do what they do and they live fully expressed as themselves a tree like a little acorn doesn't try to be a willow it is what it is it doesn't try to contort itself into being something else because it believes that an acorn is not a good enough tree yeah but this is what happens to us we have all of these messages that we get from our family systems that we get from like built into built into our DNA over the past 5,000 years or whatever timeline it is that you want to um, tap into that's been telling us that certain things are good and other things are not good. So it creates this, this separation of good and bad. Uh, if you're wild, you're bad. If you're good, oh man, then you're going to win all the prizes and you are just so welcome here and we all love you and you are such a good example to everyone else. But you mustn't be wild, you have to be good. And we internalize this, even if we don't buy into a concept like good or wild, we internalize that. And if I just look at my, look at my own experience, the wild woman or being wild is something which to me 
was a concept that didn't even it didn't even enter into my frame of reference. I've always thought of myself as a rebel. And I never wanted to do all the things that were right, all the things that would make me a good girl, for lack of a better word. And yet I find myself turning on myself for not having those attributes, for not doing those things that were deemed good and proper and valuable. And I would measure myself against that. And it meant that there was something wrong with me, that I wasn't worthy. And every time we do that, we move further away from that wild truth of who we really are because we start putting masks on. We start to, to like push away and reject those wilder, untamed, deeper longings and yearnings of how we want to be and we conform. And we don't even know that we're doing it. That's the problem. We don't know that we are doing it. And then we end up feeling like something is missing in our lives. And my medicine is go back to your wildness because that's what's missing. And when you go back there, you find yourself. That is so beautiful. And I think especially with the idea of being good, that it's it's even it's a standard that we can even we can never measure up to it we're never good enough exactly we keep on moving those goalposts so much so much and I think even more so like I think it's it applies to everyone but for women especially the role of this this good girl the good wife it's really what we've been taught to aspire to for so long so as you were saying it's even when we're questioning that, we are still somehow aspiring to it. And I was just wondering if you could speak a little bit to what that exactly looks like in how we sort of think about our lives and how we approach our lives. If we're stuck in this goal to reach the the good role that we're supposed to be playing. I suppose it can manifest in different ways. The way that I'm most interested in and that I work mostly with, with my clients around is how, and I think I said it earlier, it's how we turn on ourselves as a result of that. So what that looks like practically is we we have uh, incredible imposter syndrome whenever it comes to us you know, showing up and and taking our light from underneath the, the bushel. I love using expressions. I don't, I don't always get them right, but that's, that's how it is. That's my wildness coming out. I also like to build new words. Um, and then I realize that there isn't actually such a word in the vocabulary, but you know, stay with me. So, um, so this, is, this is what we do is we turn on ourselves. We, we abandon ourselves. And it could mean that you go along with something that you don't feel comfortable with or that you don't actually want to do, but you kind of give in because it's the it's easier to do that. If you resist that, the internal conflict that happens, it's too uncomfortable for us. So we we I don't want to say we choose the easy way. We choose the way that we know best. 
Yeah, that's how it shows up. It shows up in in our inner critic, in our judgment of self, and it, and also our judgment of of other women, where we have a sense of of scarcity and a sense of lack and a sense of competition. We don't have that feeling of community and cohesiveness and collaboration, which is another gift of the feminine, is our ability to, to bring things together, to take care of things and to, to support the, the growth and the evolution of that. But if we are all separate, it's not really possible for us to do that. What I see this causes is that we have these mental thought loops Okay, and this is for me the biggest challenge that the good girl, however you want to define her, what she's caused in our lives is we go into these mental loops where we have a conversation and a judgment about who we are and our worth. And what that does is it takes us out of our bodies. And it keeps us stuck in our mind and outside our minds. So we, we live in the past where we have thought loops about all of the things that we did and we judge ourselves for, or all of the things that others judged us for. So we have this guilt and shame about that. Or we live in the future where we're living in a, I almost want to call it a wishful thinking state. Like we want things to be different, but we feel that that's not a possibility. We feel like it's out of our reach because we're only living in our mind. Those thought loops are taking us round and round and round. And this is what causes us to be disembodied. And the more disembodied we become, if, if I could say it like that, the further we move away from our feminine wisdom, the further we move away from our wildness. Oh, yeah. I'm so familiar with those mental loops. Yeah. We all have them. We all have them. I think everyone is, yes. Um, but I think you put it really, really well in describing what it does. That it, it, you either in the past or the future, or you really just, you're just not in, in your body. You're not inhabiting all of yourself. That is like, you put that so beautifully. So what then is needed to move from that mental looping back into the body. I want to say there's not a single thing that you can do. And I want to say there is a single thing that you can do. <laughs> and of course, as a practitioner of embodiment, I will suggest that this is what we do. The, we have to get back into our bodies. And the way to do that is in a way that is loving, in a way that is kind, compassionate, self-caring, and in a way that feels safe. Because the, the first reason why we are not in our bodies, the first reason why we are, or maybe not the first, one of the reasons why we, we keep on chewing on these mental thought loops is because we don't feel safe enough to actually feel all of the, the emotions and the sensations and even the guilt and the shame and the maybe the despair and maybe even the hope that we hold in our bodies. We don't know how to be with those feelings. You know, and we, we see it so often 
Um, and it's interesting, the more we, I practice embodiment, the more I see it, I'm, I'm sure that you see this as well, is I even catch myself sometimes when I have a conversation, I tell about how something upset me. I speak about the upsettingness of that thing without really being in the feeling of the upsetness. And this is what we do when we are in our minds, is we can be fully expressed and fully self-aware of what happened and how we responded and how we got triggered and how this plays out and kind of the patterns and the sabotaging that we place on ourselves. But it's more of a cognitive relationship instead of really being with how it feels. And what happens is when we learn to be more embodied, when we learn to drop into the body in a way that's safe so that we can meet what is there, so that we can feel what is there. Magic happens. There's no other way to explain it because everything that is there that is stuck and frozen and painful and uncomfortable, the way that we meet them dissolves them. And it loosens the hold that they have on us. And we don't even have to know what we are doing. That's what's making it so magical. We don't have to know what we're doing. There's no cognitive like involvement required whatsoever. It's really about being in the feeling. So, yeah, that would be my suggestion. What you should do is learn the skill of embodiment. Yes, it is magical when you have that experience because I am one of those classic problem solvers I there's something bothering me I need to figure out five million ways of how to go about it but with embodiment I did really learn that all I'm doing with the problem solving is just exhaust myself whereas if I allowed myself to be with what is causing the discomfort from what I'm trying to do it it sort of it slows me down. It allows me to actually preserve energy, however uncomfortable it might be to feel what is alive in the body. So yeah, it is magical. It is very much, it's such a different experience of being in the world and like sort of allowing your life to unfold into such a different way. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And And what you said about that, ability to being with what is uncomfortable I think it's so important to mention here that embodiment is not sexy kind of luscious bikini body you know trying to be a goddess it could be embodiment but like the embodiment that we're talking about here is that ability to be with those undesirable and uncomfortable feelings and to be honest about your role in this to be honest about your expression and your living out of this and so it can be very messy and it can be very uncomfortable and there's always a release at the end of it there's always uh call it a lightness a letting go uh an expansion a deepening into a truth so while it might not be pleasant in the moment, I think if we learn how to do it in a way that keeps us safe, that cultivates that sensitivity 
and we have the willingness to be vulnerable with what is actually going on. That's where the freedom lies on the other side of that. Yes, that's one of the things I I really want, like I'd like to speak about with embodiment that is really, it, it's not always a fun thing to do. There can be mm-hmm. so much discomfort, but that discomfort, it has so much wisdom to share with us. If we, as you yeah. said, are able to be with that in a safe way and allow ourselves the time to really feel and be with what is rather than mm-hmm. try and push forward. Because yeah. bringing it back to what you were saying about nature at the beginning, like nature isn't constantly pushing forwards. We are entering here in the Northern Hemisphere autumn. We are slowing down. Yeah. And I think yeah. that is very much a skill that we've sort of embraced. As you embrace embodiment, you're also embracing the skill to slow down when you need to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Can you imagine what the world would look like if plants never stopped growing? (laughs) It would be ridiculous. They have to pause. They have to slow down. They have to go into, into hibernation. Otherwise, it would be a crazy pants world. And it's the same for us. And you know, in order for us to really be connected with our whole selves and connected with our truth, we have to slow down. You can't do it in double speed. We have to slow down. And your slow down or your slowness might look different to mine because we are all different. But so with, with embodiment and with all of these feminine wisdom practices, it's about what is your wisdom? What is your way? What does your body want? How do you want to express? And you can only do that by not thinking about it and like writing down bullet points, but by really discovering it within your somatic landscape, within your inner world. So it's a very personal journey. Yes, it is so personal. And I always think it's, I like this practice so much because is there's no one telling me what I should be doing again because Mm. if if you have someone externally telling you oh these are the steps you need to follow it's again it's something you try to measure up like am I good enough am I doing the things right Mm. but embodiment really takes that away from you it 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 just doesn't give you any as you said, any bullet points to tick off. There's no goal to reach, essentially. And I think that is really beautiful, especially in a such a goal-oriented world. And it is, again, it is that wildness. It is allowing that flow that happens to just develop. And also because, exactly because of that reason, that there's no specific first this must happen and then you'll experience this and then this is going to happen and then this is where you'll end because that doesn't exist and we go on an inner exploration of ourselves we learn a new habit of trusting what is here and then going for what is next as it shows up for us and because of this dynamic I see that learning this dynamic learning this pattern a new way of being kind of breaks down that well-trodden road of our mental thought loops and that well-trodden road of being that 
good girl who's looking for the external validation, who's looking for the external, what must I do next? What, what is the best decision for me? What is the most proper way for me to show up in a situation? We start, it, it loses the hold that it has on us because we're learning a different skill, that skill of following what is getting shown to us now. One of my teachers call it breadcrumb. So we get the breadcrumb and then we follow the next breadcrumb and the next breadcrumb. We don't have to know what the final picture is going to look like. We just need to go, what is next? What is next? What is next? That's such a beautiful sort of image, the breadcrumbs. I like that. It's, I think it's often very hard to forget when, once you enter or once you've realized that you want to change something, we all obviously have a vision where we want to go. And I think what we often misunderstand and like I, I fall for that as well, is that it, it's going to be, I, I start doing the work and then the end result will be there but it's never that straightforward it's again it's a very it can be the breadcrumbs or it's you can view it as sort of it's quite a winding path and sometimes you take yourself around a loop and you're you're not moving anywhere closer to that desire that you yeah. hold and I think that is again linking it with nature and the sort of cyclical living that it's never the same pace mm. it always changes and not always easy especially having been raised within that good girl and this is what a good life yeah. looks like sort of steps that you're supposed to follow that is supposed to be a straight line to accept yeah. that yeah and that causes part of the conflict doesn't it if we because it's in our bones even if logically and cognitively we go that doesn't work for me I I know that life doesn't work like that it is so deeply entrenched in us and it goes back, you know, into, into our past. And so the, the work that we are doing here, I see how it heals not only our relationship to our wildness, to the best way to show up to our sovereignty, but it also goes back in our lineage. And it goes forward into our children's children just in the way that we show up and the those well-trodden paths of this habitual way of being, how that start breaking down just by us going and doing the work and being with, with what is true for us. Yes, I think it's another lovely thing that what the healing that we as individuals do they it always ripples out mm. it always has an impact on those around us and I think that's why the work that embodiment coaches and, and other coaches and therapists like do is so important mm. because it's not and not only it's not really about like what we desire what we want our life to look like it's it's for me it's very much a bigger thing it is that connection to like the other people that community that you were describing that when you are in your feminine you don't see other people or other women in particular as a threat as something to be afraid of and I think that's so important about that the work that we do allowing ourselves to to actually be 
in community to be the sort of like yeah we are the ones who forge different paths to allow other people to show up differently because they see it is possible and I think that's what makes it so powerful because the possibility that they see in us is not so much in what we're saying I think it's just in the whole like we're changing the field that's what we're doing we're changing the field and that radiates out and we find resonance or other people find resonance in that and this is how we can this is how we're healing the world which sounds like a lofty (laughs) a lofty task but this is what we're doing you know I always say that every woman who chooses to embark on this path of connecting to her feminine truth to connecting to her wildness to connecting to her her body she contributes to the collective healing because of this radiating out because of how we change the field and it changes everyone that we are in contact with so so we all we all contributing to to elevating humanity and elevating consciousness it's a it's something that actually is quite that we can be i feel when i feel into that it's something that makes me feel very grateful that i'm living in a time where that is a possibility so I'm just sort of curious, is there anything else that you want to add? We've, we've touched on quite a lot of things. Is there anything else that you feel you really want to share that is important for you to pass on or that is something you've discovered in your work that you want people to know about? Hmm. So many things. <laughs> I um, I feel perhaps something that that might be helpful beneficial for anyone listening um, to this today is so what so what if I realize that I am I want to resign from this old in in quote marks this old way of being and living in a way where I'm more aligned with my truth and living in a way where I'm more in touch with my my aliveness and my internal liberation, my wildness. The way there is a way that requires devotion. And we spoke about this earlier. I think so often many of the, like our habitual ways of being, it really is, I see it as a very clearly well-trodden road in our subconscious And whenever we try to veer off this road, it makes things very uncomfortable because now we're veering into the unknown. Who who knows what is hiding in the shadows there? And so whenever we embark on bringing in a new way of being, a new way of living, there is going to be discomfort in that as well. So we hold the discomfort of experiencing what is there to be felt in our body, but we also hold the discomfort of doing something new, creating a new path, forging a new way forward. And I think it's important to mention that it requires devotion. And and we can look again at, at the cyclical nature of the feminine. We don't decide now we're going to start a new habit and then it's just all 
all guns rearing, and then we go. There are going to be times in your practice and in your devotion where you feel you don't know what the hell you're doing, and this is just too much. You're overwhelmed by the world, and you've lost touch with your vision or your dream of making a world where you are aligned with your truth and your full self-expression about making that a reality for you. And so we devote ourselves to always coming back to the body, to always coming back to our devotion, because you are going to be pulled out of it. And it is going to cause discomfort. But what I have seen in my own practice and the women that I speak to, the more we attend to this, the more we devote ourselves, the more we have a willingness to show up in this way of being, the easier it becomes. So that when we get pulled off the path and when we get sucked up into those mental mind loops again, we can recognize this is happening and we don't spend so much time there. We can, we can have a, a quicker turnaround to come back into the body. And I think the modern world, new age kind of psychology Maybe psychology is not the right word, new age spirituality, new age personal development, and maybe armchair psychologists makes us believe that growth is always linear and growth is always up. And that is not true because when we buy into that, then every time we hit this hump in the road, every time we lose touch and we stick, we get caught up in a mental mind loop we think I'm doing it wrong. There's something wrong with me. And that pulls us back into that old conditioning. So just stay the path. That's all that I can say. Because I am currently very much in one of those humps and I am working my way through a lot of discomfort. So that was, it was a nice encouragement for me personally. <laughs> But it's, it is very true. And I think that part where you were saying it is about devotion, it is not, it's not really something you'd want and be done with it. And I think we, we often forget that, that it is, it is a journey. It is a way of mm. living and not just a fix it once and you're done yes. kind of situation. Yeah. You can't just go to a weekend workshop and expect things are going to be changed and hunky-dory for the rest of your life. It really is a personal practice of always showing up for yourself. Yes, and it is about, as you were saying, it is a skill that you are developing. Mm -hmm. And yeah. the more you practice it, the easier it will be to get out of the mental loops. But it is a yeah. practice. And yeah. I think that is... Another thing that's probably important to stress that what embodiment offers isn't a like quick fix. It doesn't. But what it does offer is it opens up the universe in us. And it opens up our senses. It opens up our channels of aliveness. It opens up our ability to have such a rich life experience where it's not ho-drum, same old day, blah, but it really is 
it's a frizzen of aliveness and excitement that begins to play in the background and it's turned on all the time and we can then turn up the volume or lower the volume we get to play with it but it but it becomes the background music and that's what makes it magical <laughs> it so does very much agree with that so where can people find you find more about you and the work that you do yeah so i have a podcast where i am sharing most of my my metaphors and my words that i create and the podcast is called the untamed and embodied show with tersha regler uh, that's the official name of the podcast and so that's really my main platform. And then I'm also, my website is also a place where people can uh, contact me. They can go and see the different programs that I offer because I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. And then I also do online workshops and embodiment classes. And my website is tertiaregler.com. And then finally, although I don't really spend much time there, is I do have an Instagram page. And I'm I'm not there so often, but if you send me a DM, then I'll find it. <laughs> That's Tersha Regler Embodiment. Excellent. That's plenty of ways to find out more about you. And I will definitely add the podcast to my listening list because I do love finding new podcasts. So is there any last words that you want to share before we finish up? Just that this was such a delicious conversation to have with you. And I am, as I said earlier, I'm so grateful to live in a time where we get to do this and where we are, where we have so many teachers and we have things like the internet that can connect us to each other, no matter where we live. And most of us can have access to these feminine wisdom tools. We can have access to learning these skills of embodiment. And it's like this web that's lighting up over the world of how us women can become connected to ourselves and to each other. And it's a beautiful time to live in. So I really enjoyed our conversation here today as well. As did I. And I just want to say thank you very much for coming here on the podcast and having this conversation with me and for the people to learn what it means to embrace the wildness within. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And if you have a moment, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a review or a rating wherever you listen to your podcast. It can help people discover this podcast and would mean a lot to me. If you want to experience embodiment as a practice yourself, you can always sign up to my bi-weekly newsletter. Not only do you get a monthly guided embodiment practice, but also personal notes on what an embodied life looks like. The link is in the description. And all that's left to say is, again, thank you for listening. Until next time.